Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, verses 20 through 22, 28 through 33, and in chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke. They will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This past month, we've been in this series called Find Your Tribes. The first week, we talked about the body, the church, our worshiping community, and then we narrowed our focus to our team. In Romans 16, Paul talked about his co-laborers, and that encourages us to be a part of a group united in service for others, not just our immediate circle. And then last week, we talked about our band or our small group of people, those three to 15 people where we build high levels of trust. In 1 John 1, it talks about how we are walking in the light when we have fellowship with one another and we can confess our sins to one another. It's walking with that small group where there's accountability and trust built over time. And now this morning, in our last week of this series, I have the privilege of sharing about something very near and dear to my heart, one-on-one relationships through mentoring. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the gift of your word. May it be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Speak to us. Give us ears to listen this morning and help us to leave this place more confident in who you are, Lord, our good shepherd and our rock. Amen. So this morning's text comes from the book of Proverbs. You know, it's rare that we preach our main text from the book of Proverbs. Typically, we're in some gospel narrative, epistle lesson, or epic Old Testament story. But as Christians, we miss out when we overlook any part of the Bible. And when it comes to wisdom and understanding, the book of Proverbs is one of the first places you want to go in Scripture. In fact, that's what Proverbs is known as, a book about wisdom. Now, throughout life, we encounter all kinds of wisdom. First, I think about the storied wisdom that our parents and our grandparents impart on us. As a kid, uh, on the way to school every morning, my dad would drop me off and he would say, don't take any wooden nickels. And I remember being so confused by that. (laughs) And then as I got older, I realized what he was saying is, don't let people take advantage of you. Be wise. And that was some storied wisdom that his dad had passed on to him and then to me. My mom would always remind me, remember who you serve, as I dashed out the door to hang out with friends. If you think about it, I bet everyone in this room can think of a wise saying that someone influential has shared with you. And if not, there's general pieces of wisdom all out there, right? I think about as a kid, my parents saying, if you climb that tree and you fall out of it, it's going to hurt. Don't take candy from strangers. 
If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And a personal favorite that got me through middle school and high school was from a favorite artist of mine. The haters are gonna hate. Shake it off. That's Taylor Swift, by the way. <laughs> As you can see, there's all sorts of wisdom out there in the world. But there's one more type that I think is most important for us to consider this morning. It's more experiential in nature. It's more relational. And it's typically imparted from a person that you respect, that you admire, that you even aspire to be like one day. You glean this wisdom from the things they share with you and teach you, but also from observing them and emulating them. I've had several people in my life that have offered me this kind of wisdom. If we're lucky, each of us will be able to point to one individual or a few individuals who had that influence on our life as our mentors or our role models, those who have walked alongside us on our faith journey. When I reflect on my own faith journey, I can think of several people. First, I think about a couple who served as youth leaders in my youth group, Mr. Drew and Miss Lee Taylor. I think of my professor in college, Dr. Wood. I think about my dad who served in a ministry role most of his life. But as I was preparing for this sermon, my middle school mentor, Mrs. Patsy Young, is who kept coming to mind. She was a known prayer warrior in my home church. There was a season on Wednesday nights when there really wasn't a lot of programming for our fifth and sixth graders, but Miss Patsy was there and she always prayed every Wednesday night. And so I reached out to her and said, will you teach me how to pray? And from there, our relationship just blossomed. Every Wednesday night, the two of us would talk about the week. She became a safe person where I could share my troubles of middle school as I was navigating friendships, bullying, and just figuring out who God was calling me to be. We had an ongoing prayer list that we would just go down the line each week praying out loud for those on our hearts and in the church. Mrs. Patsy would always share Bible verses and encourage me to lean on that word when life was hard. How she lived encouraged me to hunger for that same desire to know God more. And as I reflect on that formational season of my life, listening and learning from Miss Patsy, I don't think there was something particularly special about me or her or where or when we met, it was just a willingness to create space to reflect, pray, and grow together. Now, I know Miss Patsy isn't perfect. She's human. She makes mistakes just like we all do. But I do know that in part, I am who I am today because I had someone older than me setting an, ex an example for me to follow. Someone who took an interest in my life and poured into me so I could grow in my faith journey. This wisdom that comes from a mentor is exactly the kind of wisdom that Proverbs is talking about in our passage this morning. So Proverbs 1, the author of Proverbs personifies wisdom as a woman who shows up in the place we, places we regularly live our lives, and she is screaming for us to pay attention. She's desperate to get our attention. She clearly has a lot to say and offer to those who will listen, who will heed her words. Verse 20 and 21 says, out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out at the city gate. She's making her speech. Wisdom shows up in the streets. Today, that might look like wisdom showing up at our jobs, in our schools, in our homes, in the places we play. Then she shows up with challenging questions. She says, why do you ignore me? Why do you refuse to listen to me? Verse 22, how long will you who are simple love your simple ways? Explain to me the joy of wasting your life, making a mockery of what you have. 
and wisdom's boldness and urgency, it's right on brand. As the introduction to Proverbs in the HarperCollins Study Bible says, the fundamental goal of the book of Proverbs is to teach how to acquire wisdom and how to avoid folly. So for Proverbs, wisdom means insight, understanding, knowledge, advice, discretion, intelligence, good sense. Whereas folly means ignorance, lacking sense, stupidity, prideful scorn, arrogance, insolence, and just acting dumb. Proverbs cares about nothing more than identifying the things that make someone wise, convincing the person capable of hearing her to take her advice seriously and warning her of the consequences for failing to do so. Wisdom says, give heed to my reproof. I will pour out my thoughts to you. I'll make my words known to you. But if you ignore me, I will not answer when you call later. Those who refuse my advice will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with their own devices. That's pretty intense, right? But it's a testament to how important the authors of Proverbs thought this idea of wisdom really is for a person's life. Then we pick up in chapter four, and we have this classic Proverbs pattern where we have a hypothetical instruction between a teacher and a student, or in this case, a father and a child. Proverbs 4.1 says, Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention. Gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. The father talks about how he was once a child and received instruction, about how he was supposed to take hold of his father's words and keep his commands. The hypothetical father tells his son, get wisdom at all costs. Do not forsake her being wisdom. She will protect you. And in a weird circular reasoning, he says, in fact, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, though it costs all you have. Get understanding. I feel like in one sense, it seems that the book of Proverbs is just repeating itself a lot. However, on the other hand, it seems like that's exactly what the authors of Proverbs are doing. They're doing it on purpose. I mean, isn't that what we try to do to get our point across? You know, I don't have kids yet, but hey, I've got quite a few youth, and sometimes I have to repeat myself a few times, right? <laughs> yeah. The word wisdom, it appears 54 times in its 31 chapters. So it just keeps repeating itself, repeating itself, repeating itself. It's important. You know, as I think about this idea of wisdom, and as we reflect on the text this morning, I'm struck by the fact that even though a lot of the worlds remain the same since it was written, still so much remains the same about wisdom today in 2023. Proverbs is trying to draw attention to things that are wise, but admits people, some people, still won't get it. Jesus said one time when he was telling a series of parables, there are plenty of people who didn't understand them. He said the same thing Proverbs says, let those who have ears hear. Some will get it, others won't. And sure, today is different than almost 2,300 years ago when Proverbs was written or during Jesus's day when he was offering wisdom to the world, but it's not that different. Why? Because wisdom is still shouting in the streets and still very few are listening. And I think the reason we don't hear wisdom now is because we've tricked ourselves into thinking we hear wisdom. We've convinced ourselves that we know and hear wisdom's words because we have access to an abundance of voices right at our fingertips. We're inundated with options of people clamoring for our attention to tell us how to or why we should. A couple of weeks ago, 
I decided to try out our new lawnmower. What did I do? I looked up a YouTube video to figure out how to get it started. If I wanted to look up the best spots to travel to Europe, I might go to Instagram or Pinterest for inspiration. I'm personally not a huge fan of TikTok, the app, but that's where many of my Gen Z youth spend their time looking up everything from tutorials to learning the newest dances. If I need inspiration or encouragement or a good laugh, there's no shortage of influencers on any of these platforms that are happy to include me in their audience. The internet is this information all you can eat spread where everyone claims to be the most wise. We have thousands of self-help books, influencers, magazine covers vying to solve our problems and fix our lives. But in reality, we know their priority is just to add us to their ever-expanding empire of consumers. We think we are hearing wisdom, but really it's just noise. One thing I find particularly dangerous is we convince ourselves we don't need real live wise people in our lives. We have this individualistic society that tells us we can do anything and asking for guidance is a sign of weakness in our world. I don't need to reach out to anybody. I got this on my own. But by nature, God has created us for community. We all need wise counsel. And that makes me ask, okay, where is the church in this space? Where is our voice in the attempts to convey wisdom? Is it even present? And I wonder, what would it look like for us as Christ followers to reclaim our role in influencing people's lives for the better? You don't have to be on the internet as some big influencer to make an impact in someone's life. In fact, I think real lasting relationships and influence is, is most strong in those one-on-one, life-on-life relationships. Instead of turning to social media to numb our problems or give us this cure-all information overflow, What if we learned from and leaned on each other? How might that look, you ask? We start with the Bible, and we see that there are countless examples of wisdom passing from person to person. I first think about Paul and Timothy's relationship. Paul encourages young mentee Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. You hear that, youth? Don't let anybody look down on you because you are young but set an example for the believers in speech and life and love and faith and impurity. I think about Ruth and Naomi's relationship, the mother-in-law trying to share what is best for her daughter-in-law. We have Moses and Joshua, one leader of the Israelites, passing his mantle on to the next. Elijah bringing along Elisha and raising him up until he's ready to be the prophet in Israel. The list could keep going, y'all. Eli to Samuel, Deborah to Barak, Paul to Barnabas. The way to receive true wisdom is to spend time with those who are actually wise, life-on-life relationships and mentorship. So then you might ask the question, okay, well, how can you tell who is wise? By the way they live, by the fruit they bear. Earlier in Proverbs 131, it says the foolish will eat the fruit of their way. So if the foolish bear bad fruit, the wise bear good fruit. And what is that fruit? I go to Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that doesn't mean your mentor isn't going to make mistakes because we're all human. But you can just see the good fruit in how they live, how they speak, how they love God and love others. You can see it in their eyes. 
And the way true wisdom lives on is when those who are wise share their wisdom with others. Today, we often refer to this idea as mentorship, but another way that you can think about it is a traveling companion. Someone on this journey of faith and life that's either teaching you or that you are teaching. It might look like a Steve Smith, a bank president, spending one-on-one time with a sixth grader and sharing his faith. Steve happens to be one of our great youth leaders, by the way. It might look like an Elizabeth Percy, a mother of four grown children, teaching a class to parents whose children are just beginning their adolescence. Maybe it looks like an Andrew Peeler offering his time after soccer practice to get coffee with a young person and study the Bible together. Perhaps there's a coworker at your job you offer a bit of encouragement or affirmation to, and that leads to a deeper relationship. Maybe it starts by signing up for something like Big Brothers Big Sisters and mentoring one of the students at Leinkoff Elementary School. You see, as you are searching for your tribes, we encourage everyone to be a part of the worshiping community. And then through service, our actions can offer us a place of belonging. In a small group, you find a place for your soul to experience radical trust. But then there's one more tribe, and that is the tribe of you and another person. That's the place where you pour into one another, where you let someone else lead you, where you sacrifice your ego, your independent do-it-yourself mentality, and you open yourself up to constructive critique and development. We all need it. We are often trying to find wisdom on our own, by our own means, our own abilities. But the wisdom Proverbs is talking about this morning only comes through relationships, starting with God, just like we talked about in the children's moment, and then through mentorship. I think about Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, how it talks about starting with God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Proverbs 9, 9, instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning, walking along with others. Proverbs 13, 20, walk with the wise and become wise. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You know, when I think about my middle school mentor, Miss Patsy, she had quite a few years on me, actually. She was an empty nester, talking, hanging out with a fifth and sixth grader. But she had years of wisdom and experience under her belt, yet she never treated me like a kid. She didn't act like she had all the answers that she had to impart on me. In fact, sometimes all I needed was a person to listen and to pray for me. She treated me like someone she loved, and by being with her, I learned how to be a better version of myself. I saw Jesus in her. And that's the type of relationship a person can have with a mentor where iron is sharpening iron. So I hope you can find someone like that for your life this morning. I hope you can find someone you that, that you can pour into, and I hope you can find someone who can pour into you. It doesn't have to be so formal as going up to a person and saying, hi, I was wondering if you could mentor me. Hey there, I was wondering if, you could, if, if I could be your mentor. It might look like that, but it doesn't have to. It might start by signing up to be a volunteer to work in a program. How wonderful would it be to start seeing mentoring relationships blossom in programs that we already have here at Dauphin Way. The seasoned sages in the choir mentoring the young college students, our mentoring in our Meals on Wheels teams, mentoring within our prayer shawl ministry, through Reagan's new prayer partner program for kids, the Elijah Project. 
at women's worship nights and at men's breakfast, finding someone older than us and younger than us. And maybe you even feel a nudge to spend time with my favorite people in the church, our youth. I might be a little biased. But we are always looking for more willing and faithful leaders to pour into our students because it's such a formational time in their lives. As you reflect on who you can mentor this morning, I want to address a few different people in the room. Maybe you think your mentoring days are over. Please hear me loud and clear this morning when I say we, the generations behind you, we need your wisdom. It might look different in this season, and that's okay. Last year, I remember Michael sharing with me this general rule of thumb for people who are looking for a mentor or are looking to mentor someone. It's called a seven-year rule. So basically, the person generally seven years behind you is walking through a life stage that you just got to the other side of. And so the idea is finding someone, if you don't have a place to start, seven years ahead of you, seven years behind you. And with that, the past few years I've served at Dolphin Way, we've had this vision of what a healthy intergenerational church looks like. I can't think of a more beautiful picture of discipleship than witnessing our sages, mentoring our empty nesters, then pouring into our youth families, to our young parents, to our young adults, to our youth, to our children. Y'all, that is the body of Christ. Everyone is looking up to someone we are learning from and leaning on each other. Maybe you think you're not qualified enough or you don't know about, enough about the Bible to mentor someone. That's actually pretty much exactly what Gene Warren and Missy Abernathy told me when I asked them to be youth leaders at SNL. They shared similar sentiments, thinking they needed more education, needed to be more cool or relatable to hang out with youth. Now, three years later, Gene and Missy are some of our most beloved youth leaders, and our youth cannot wait to see them on Sunday nights. It starts with a willingness to say yes to God in whatever context he's calling you. As it feels daunting, Remember, we are simply pointing people to Jesus as we walk alongside our mentees. I find it comforting in John 14, 26, when Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I said to you. We have the Holy Spirit inside us. God equips the called. Maybe you're in a hectic season and you're thinking, This all sounds great, Britt. But there's no way I have time right now to mentor somebody. I get it. Life ebbs and flows. And in certain seasons, mentoring might simply be intentionally showing someone that you care through a kind word or a kind action. In those seasons, your mentee might be someone on your heart that you're just checking in with, sending them a text, sending them a letter in the mail, and praying, with them, praying for them regularly. Maybe instead of meeting weekly with a mentor, it's telling someone you look up to, hey, you mean a lot to me. I really look up to you. At SNL, that's where we meet for youth on Sunday nights, we often end our time together with an action step. It helps us thoughtfully connect the message with how God might be speaking to us. I think there's just something special about writing something down on paper. It helps us connect our, our thoughts to paper, right? And if you're like me, if I don't write something down on a sticky note, I'm not going to remember five minutes later. And so with that, I want to encourage you, take some time right now as we continue in worship together to reflect on who those people in your life might be. 
maybe even grab a pen and write it down right now. First, who is a wise mentor in your life or who could be? Second, who is someone you mentor or could mentor? Write those names down, take them with you so you don't forget or let it slip by because I know once we eat lunch, we're gonna forget. And if you can't think of anyone but feel God laying this on your heart this morning, please reach out to one of our pastors. If you're looking for something more structured, a Bible study to walk through with someone, we're happy to give you recommendations. If you feel led to mentor a student, I can name so many of our youth who would love to have a mentor and a prayer partner in their lives. We would love to help you create a relationship like this in your life because we know how special they are. I know how special they are and how much of an impact they make on all of us, all of our lives. Mentoring is kingdom work. So I encourage you, thoughtfully consider taking this step because you're building God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven through the gift of mentoring. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.